two victories in a week. Absolutely blooming marvellous. Let's get straight into it. What's up? We're not very good, but we keep winning and winning and winning. It's remarkable. It's re- we were just terrible against West Brom. I mean, they, they gave us a really good game at Old Trafford, and in fact, were probably unlucky to not to win at Old Trafford and, uh, in that two-all draw with Edwin van der Sar and, and his absolute clangor. And they pummeled us at the Hawthorns. Uh, they were so much better in midfield, miles better, completely outpassed United, and just can put away the chances, and United did. It's just remarkable victory uh, from, I'd say from the jaws of defeat, but it was, it was more like from the jaws of a complete thrashing and uh, and then not really much better against Stoke I mean somewhat better but not a lot a lot of the same symptoms in midfield especially and and then our rivals draw or lose it's it's just perfect it doesn't matter how bad we are everyone else is worse um th- th- I got a few things I want to say one the West Bromwich game the one bright spark uh, ended by injury hopefully not too uh, season threatening uh Wayne Rooney proved once again that all you need to do if you're a United player in terrible form is get a bit of a slagging off on the rank cast and uh, you'll be back to absolutely phenomenal form. He he looked really good against West Brom. He, he, he really did, yeah. I mean, I think Ferguson perhaps went a little over the top in the praise, but I thought he had a really good performance. He was dynamic. He was strong. He ran into the channels. He dropped deep. He played in behind West. I mean, he was, you know, he ran with a ball. He was prepared to shoot. He obviously got the goal. And uh, yeah, I thought it was his best performance in eight or nine months for United. The, there were a couple of bright sparks in the Stoke game, and both of them were goals. Two absolute belters from United. Hernandez's goal, I, as it went in, I sort of half jumped off off the sofa and shouted, the kid's a superstar at my TV. It was an absolutely immense piece of skill. I, I just think the quick-wittedness of it and the, the kind of uh, the ability to keep the ball under control as you use your back leg to put it through the defender's legs. Yeah. Absolutely stunning. And then, of course, a, a belter from Nani. Yeah, I, I mean, I think with the thing with Hernandez, he, he has quite a lot to work on. I think he's almost too enthusiastic when he wants to come outside the box and he drops a bit too deep and he actually slows possession down by doing that sometimes. And I don't, it doesn't quite work and it feels like it's not natural for him. As soon as he's around the 18-yard, everything is natural. He, uh, his movement is superb. His finishing is brilliant. He's inventive. He, you know, this uh, of course, he scored the back header against Stoke earlier in the season to win the game for United. Uh, and the Britannia, brilliant piece of skill here to flick it through Shawcross's legs uh, with the back of his heel. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, he, if he can improve the other parts of his game, he's going to be a real, real star. As it is, you figure he's going, he's going to score you know, more often than not when he gets the chance. And Nani, well, Nani did what Nani can do now, and, and that's run at defenders and, and score. And it was obviously a nice interchange with Hernandez again, and a, and a great shot with his left foot and I think there's uh, it's going to be a real decision for Ferguson to make because because I think you get 50% more Nani when you put him on the right hand side because he's comfortable on the right but he can cut in and shoot on the, with his left foot and on the left he's just not quite as comfortable and he always wants to cut in and shoot and that makes him a bit more predictable whereas of course Valencia had a really great season last season so we've got kind of two on the right hand side and then he brings Cleverly back and Cleverly really wants to play in the middle or right side I don't think left's really his role so we're kind of overloaded there so a few decisions to make I think but yeah you're, you're right two great goals uh, they were the, the highlights from the Stoke game by miles because the rest of it wasn't great better than against West Brom yeah absolutely and um, th- 
the Hernandez, uh, you wrote a little piece, a mid-season review piece on, on unitedrant.co.uk, and I thought you were a little harsh giving Hernandez 6 out of 10. I think his impact has been more than 6 out of 10, given given his, his performances this season. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I, I tried to do it objectively and not relatively, right? So yeah, I realised that that's what you were doing. Uh, hence, players that have been out for injury losing a few more points and, you know, not necessarily just their performances on the pitch, but also their overall contributions. Yeah, so look, if, if you um, if you said based on what we'd expect of them and their position in the team, I, I might have adjusted all those figures and I, there was a little bit of criticism in the, the threads uh, on that basis. Right? So I, I just did it as an objective assessment of everyone's impact. I mean, you know, agree or disagree or whatever, it's just it's only me. Ed, 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 that's your profoundly subjective assessment. It's absolutely <laughs> not objective. It can't possibly be objective. Oh, okay, all right. So so, so let, let, let me put it this way. What it was not is uh, Hernandez has made a great impact given he's young and given he's come from another country and given he's not used to English football and given we, you know, we didn't know much about him. Right? In that scenario, you might say, oh, he's got an 8 out of 10 or an 8.5 out of 10 or maybe more because that, that's brilliant. If you just say, well, he's scored 8 goals this season, he's been in and out of the team, you know, that's it's it's uh, it's all right. It's all right, but it's not stunning. And that's the kind of way I did it. It's the same way, the same way Dimitar Berbatov attracts so much criticism because he costs £30 million. But actually strip that out of it and say, is he having a good season or not? And did he have a good season last season or not? What's his impact on the on the side? And that, that was kind of how I try to do my assessments. Of course, you know, as, as you're, right, you're rightly pointing out, it was just my particular opinion uh, in this case. But there you go. That's my methodology. It's, it's, it's an interesting methodology. It's an interesting way of doing it. Um, I would like to understand quite why you gave 7 out of 10 to uh, Rio Ferdinand. I, 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 that seemed to me to be, again, was that was that because of the time he's been away from the first team? Yeah, he'd have got another point if he'd played the first six weeks of the season. Yeah, all right, that's fine then. No, fine, we have no quarrel here. Um, uh, I I did quite enjoy that. I always like stuff like that. I always like the the way it kind of tailors the way. I mean, it's obviously, it's just a a bit of fun. It's a bit of analysis. It's a a way of framing things in a slightly different way to perhaps have a different sort of debate. I I do like it. I like it at the end of the year as well. You get all the kind of best of the year stuff. I like all that. Um, I, I want to talk about why it is that we're top of the league, uh, in spite of the fact that we're clearly far from the best Manchester United side in recent memory, and yet we find ourselves, um, uh, is it three points clear with the game in hand at the top of the table, nine points ahead of the, the team that we all thought was going to be perhaps favourites for the, the title this season, um, what are we doing right? That's, that's, that's what, one of the things I want to talk about today. Yeah, well, uh, clearly defensively, United are with Ferdinand and, and Vidic at, at the heart, uh, and Van der Sar as as consistent as ever, and Raphael growing by the day, and, and ever picking up in form. Defensively, we're very strong, so we're not conceding that many goals right in this moment. I think earlier in the season, United conceded a few more than would have been comfortable, and a lot of that was to do with, uh, not to single him out, but Johnny Evans' poor form, and you know, that kind of had an effect on everyone, and, and Raphael was in and out, and John O'Shea was in and out, and Wes Brown played a few games. We now basically have a consistent and first-choice back five. I think that makes a massive difference. So that's that's point one. Point two, uh, we've been pretty cautious in the centre and midfield, and part of that's because there's no other option, right? So 
Anderson's been in there. Uh, I will come on to this a bit later, but uh, noted that Ferguson uh, said today he, he regards him as Paul Scholes, his natural successor. Well, maybe, but that's not the role he's playing. He's very much playing a box-to-box role. Uh, so does Fletcher. Carrick's played very deep, actually, this season. Um, uh, Owen Hargreaves obviously hasn't been fit, but, but basically we have a lot of players who don't want to break ahead of the ball. Gibson does sometimes, but he barely ever plays. So I think we've got a kind of solidity in central midfield that protects a very solid back four. So uh, I think first and foremost, United are very difficult to beat. I think second, we have a determined set of players. And uh, and you wouldn't necessarily have said that about some of the players in the squad before. You certainly wouldn't have said that against, about Nani and Anderson, say, 18 months ago. But I think something has changed in the makeup of those two players. The pennies dropped or, or whatever it is. Ferguson gave them one last chance and, and told them so. But, but you know, you... And, and we noted before how much Nani tracks back now and Anderson's all energy and you expect that of, of you know, Scott and Giggs when they play and you expect that of Wayne Rooney now even Dimitar Bervtobs putting in a shift and Fletcher and Carrick you know they're going, going to well you know, maybe not Carrick but definitely Fletcher is going to give everything so I think we have a very determined side that whether they realise the limitations or not they're working around them and United are pretty functional and, but of course the real reason United are, are top it's not through our brilliance, you know, I have to say. I, I don't think I'm being cynical here. I think it's just we're, we're less incompetent than the opposition. I think that's a that's an entirely fair point. Although I have to say that I really profoundly agree with a lot of your analysis. We didn't talk about this b- before the recording, but but I, I really really think that those those things that that ridiculous determination, which you know, without wanting to resort to Manchester United analysis cliche, is the absolute hallmark of Sir Alex Ferguson's era as United manager. Just more will to win than everyone around us, and and that's been that's been really inevitable. Uh, in in recent weeks and and um, and the, that defensive that fantastic defensive solidity if there is a better centre back pairing in world football than Vidic and Rio I, I just don't know what it is I, maybe I've just got my red coloured spectacles on I don't think there is I, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I mean Puyol and and PK are not better than those two and neither are Pepe and Carvalho at Real Madrid and I, I think you can pick any of the top sides in world football and and they don't have a better pairing than than Ferdinand and Vidic and it's a big it's the big change because of course at this time last season United had lost five games and uh, Vidic was out for quite a while and so was Ferdinand sometimes both at the same time and, and that did make a difference and and um, I think tactically of course we've changed a little bit I mean those two players sitting very deep I mean we kind of did this last season as well but I, I, I just think we're set up to, to definitely not lose and we've got enough talent in the side to, to, to pick out the winners when we need to and, and that's without Wayne Rooney scoring really or even playing very well for most of the campaign yeah it's, it's a fascinating season and, and and the fact is that the premiership's really 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 poor this season by its own standards by its own extremely high standards I mean I'm far from in the Andy Gray undoubtedly the best league in the world camp but you know the, the premiership has been of an extremely high standard inarguably for the last four or five years and this year it's just nowhere near that standard I mean it started last year essentially Ronaldo leaving I mean just single-handedly just Ronaldo leaving the premiership equaled a massive drop-off in the quality of the premiership you know 
because he's yeah. such an effective player. But but yeah, so it's obviously it's the weakest Premiership for some time. And yesterday evening was a brilliant example of that. I mean, Chelsea Chelsea are in all sorts of disarray. And I have to think that if Abramovich still cared a hoot about Chelsea, which he appears to completely have given up on, he would have sacked Ancelotti by now. I'm not saying that would be the right thing to do, but if Abramovich was still like fully emotionally invested, I think he'd be gone. Yeah, I mean, I guess um, Ancelotti has some bank of credit because of the the double last season, but they're, they're in all sorts of trouble. And, and partly this was precipitated by injuries and and uh, Drogba you know, being in and out of form a little bit this season. Uh, Terry injured for a while. Perhaps most important, Frank Lampard injured, and, and the kind of general weakness of the Chelsea midfield, and and because of injuries and chopping and changing and and all of that. And um, I've got to say, I'm really surprised with with how much Chelsea have have regressed in the last two months. I mean, because in the first few months of the season, they looked great. They were scoring bagfuls of goals, and they just looked a notch better than everyone else. And I, I don't know; they they may well come back to that standard again if once everyone's fit and you know they get one win and they're confident. But they're a long way behind now, aren't they? And and that's going to be difficult for them to make up, given that United do have to play Chelsea twice. They might have to beat us twice in order to win the Premier League now, and uh, and we do have to go to Spurs next month and to the Emirates and and all of that. I mean, I think it's a bit disingenuous. Miss Ancelotti today saying basically that you know we're kind of out of the title race, which is just obviously not the case because as you just that that fixture list that you just cited, if they did beat us twice, which they it's not like they're incapable of doing that, then they're three points behind us, and that's easy to make up at some point over the over the course yeah. of the, you know so so they're far from out of it. The Arsenal and Man City draw nil nil on a suspension or two, just put on. How yeah. perfect was that? Um, a very sort of strange game played out between those two teams. Uh, the first 10 minutes, Arsenal absolutely battered them, but then City seemed to kind of find themselves somewhat in the game, and Mancini, much like he did against us, showed absolutely no ambition to win the match. Uh, it was it was Mourinho-esque again. I, I mean, it was one thing them doing it at home, I, I have to say, that was that was almost a notch worse, because they, they played three defensive midfielders at home and showed absolutely no will to win that game against us and 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 so perhaps you can forgive Mancini a little bit more uh, against Arsenal uh, but they I mean they they rode their luck didn't they how many posts were hit three I think you could see Mancini on the the sideline saying to De Jong three 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 that's three players to sit in front of the back four and and uh, I mean maybe we need a new word for this because he's invented something new here the three defensive midfielder formation and and you know the the barely ever had any wit uh, and Johnson came on and that was pretty late into the game and really that wasn't an attacking move either because they pulled a striker off yeah no absolutely Um, I mean he is trying to Mourinho his way to the league I mean I suppose he's not trying to win the league really he's trying to make sure they get into the Champions League that that seems to be what he's doing if I was them I'd be going absolutely gangbusters to try and win the league because it's definitely winnable it, it is and it, I guess we'll, we'll see in the January transfer window they might they might spend some money and that, that might I mean Eden Zeko seems like that's uh, or Dzeko uh, however it's supposed to be pronounced it seems like that's nailed on as a, as a signing and, and he is a good player 
scored a couple of times against United, of course, and he's a he's a threat in the air. I think um, he's an excellent player, and I think yeah. him and Tevez up front together is a pretty devastating potential combination. Uh, talking of teams that are rivals to us not having good results, who's going to be the manager of our opposition on Sunday? Well, it's hard to tell, isn't it? It seems like NESV uh, do not have the balls to get rid of him just yet, or they're trying to line someone else up, which, of course, would be good business practice to do it. No, no point. I mean, I joked on the, the pod last week about uh, them sacking Hodgson and bringing in Dalgleish. I mean, it's what the fans want. It's myopic. It's, it's almost as imbecilic as Newcastle fans just wanting the Messiah to come and save them from their 50-year hiatus of not winning trophies. It, look, it's uh, bringing Dalgleish in will do nothing for Liverpool. He's not been in the game for 20 years and his last effort at management was basically to build a long ball side. So it's it, it will do nothing for them. I'm pretty sure NESV know that because they could have appointed him instead of Hodgson this summer. I think they're just waiting for the right man to come along. Uh, they're probably sounding people out uh, once they've got that call they'll fire Hodgson and uh, so he might well be around for the FA Cup tie uh, at Old Trafford at the weekend it might well be his last game of course if they get a get a spanking that that could be the straw that breaks the camel's back yeah it could let's uh, well I mean I don't particularly wish for managers to get sacked but let's hope we do absolutely smash them I, I kind of rather we smashed uh, a new manager's first team than we're responsible for lovely old Roy getting the sack mm. but but you know what and this this is the thing that sickens me is that Gerard and Torres have looked like they just don't care this season yeah. they just don't care I come, mean, come the game against Old Trafford they both will care of course because it, it's uh, it's the shop window I mean the the well, I, you say the shop window. I still, I still don't think Gerard is going to leave Liverpool. Particularly, I think he's sort of a bit old, really, in a way. Yeah, I, they, they'll definitely be super motivated against us in a way they haven't been all season. And I think it'll be a tougher game than it looks on paper, given given the form. I mean, they do always raise their game against us, don't they? Even though we, we've, with a few couple of exceptions here and there, our results over against them in the last few years have been excellent. You know, if we don't count that game where they we were better than them. And they beat us 4-1. I've wiped that one from my memory. As horrendous <laughs> as it was, yeah, I'm still seeing a therapist about that one. It's, um, I joke, but yeah, seriously, that was bad. But uh, yeah, I look, earlier this season that we were, you know, significantly superior to them at Old Trafford uh, when Bob Toff scored that hat-trick, but then kind of backed off and allowed them back into the game. And, and I hope, I hope that's not the case this time. I hope, uh, hope we're just significantly superior and, uh, and we get a comfortable win. It would be nice. Got to be some classic FA Cup games over the years, haven't they? None better than 99 when uh, Oli Solskjaer scored in injury time to win the game. I've got a grin on my face because you just said Oli Solskjaer, injury time and 99. Those are three things which go together extremely well, aren't they? The Roy Hodgson situation, the, the fact that Gerard and Torres aren't trying, a lot's been talked about how Hodgson's training methods are just quite boring. Not not that they're bad, but just that they, they, they involve a lot of repetition and a lot of kind of rote work. That's kind of why he does so well at mid-table sides, because they embrace the functionality of it, because they they're getting much better results than they would have been otherwise but the, but the sort of superstars of the world game don't want to be drilled by uh, by Roy Hodgson in the art of kind of closing down space and working as a unit and all that sort of thing um, which apparently his training methods heavily focus on so I think that that may be one of the reasons why Jared and Torres haven't been at the races but it's incredibly unprofessional isn't it I mean it, you know I feel that I would say that about Manchester United players as well it's not just because they're Liverpool players but, but just to not try your best except when you're being Roy the Rovers because 
you know, for the edification of the greater glory of your own ego, it, it seems to be not not a good way to approach things. Oh, no, it's terrible. I mean, I don't think you could accuse any United players of not trying their best, and when they don't, they're out the side, and, and, and Nani and Anderson, for example, in recent years, have both found that one. Ferguson is much more tolerant of incompetence than... <laughs> I mean, it's true, it is. He, it he's, is yeah. he, he, persists, he persists still with Darren Gibson. I, I just can't work out why. For the life of me, I just... Uh, yeah, and he, he bought Jemba Jemba and, <laughs> and played him for quite some time as well, so yeah, he's much more tolerant of that than than uh, a player who who won't give his all. Part of that's a failing. Uh, part part of it, of course, pays dividends as, as we mentioned so often. With um, Darren Fletcher having come good at United, I I, I don't know about um, Hodgson's training methods. I, I've never enjoyed the privilege of having a training session with Woy, uh, and uh, I, I don't suppose I ever will. But but yeah, really, players bored, so don't give it all on a Saturday. I, I you know, well maybe they are that pampered and prima donnaish that. We doesn't work for them. And of course, Jose Mourinho is very structured in his training as well. So, so I uh, have heard. And uh, in terms, of, especially in terms of defensive work, he'll work on it again and again and again and again and go through it and go through it. For whatever reason, he commands uh, extreme respect from the players he works with, and they will do whatever he wants, and they'll love him for it. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's just a little bit of charisma goes a long way, and a huge amount of charisma goes a kind of semi-infinite way, doesn't it? Because he's, he's just he's just that sort of figure, Mourinho. Out of all all the challenges for the title this season I mean sorry I know we're not the champions so strictly speaking we're, we're a challenger rather than uh, title defenders but, but it is our trophy by you know default obviously yeah. so out of all the pretenders to Manchester United's premiership title this season who do you think has got the best chance outside of United I, I find that really difficult to answer right now I mean if, if you could wipe out the last two months and uh, having a look at the fixture list you, you would say Chelsea still has the best squad and uh, they should be able to put a run of form together all things being equal the, pr- the problem is of course they've still got a few injury problems and their form seems shot and Ancelotti himself seems to have given up so it's very hard to back them Arsenal I, I think they're just they're just way too inconsistent they've, they have got some steel but they uh, do not have a competent goalkeeper I suppose if they went out and spent 15 million pounds on a, on a, a, on a top top class keeper uh, you, you might say that they're, they're the closest challengers City I just can't see it I think they have to be more ambitious. I just don't think they're going to win enough games, and especially the really important games, uh, playing the way they do. And if it came down to, if it really came down to them having to win a couple of games during the run-in in order to challenge for the, the title, could they go out there and throw caution to the wind and, and win a game in the last minute by throwing four players on, as Ferguson would do? Uh, I just don't think so. I don't buy it. So so I'm not sure I've answered your question there, but I, I guess I'm saying Arsenal unless Chelsea can pull out some form. Okay, so you're saying Arsenal, because I, I would still say Chelsea from, from this position because I, I I do think that they eventually will hit a, a purple patch and much as I hope it doesn't happen, can, can see a wobble in, in United. I mean, we haven't lost all seasons. Absolutely extraordinary statistic. It's the second longest unbeaten run in Premiership history now and, you know, it, it has been whilst we've been underperforming. So you could see potentially a, a wobble coming at some point, particularly if, you know, let's hope it certainly hope it doesn't happen, but if, if Rio or Nemanja got injured, you could definitely see a wobble. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then and then Chelsea do put together a run of form and, and you know, in that Arsenal City match, I was sort of rather would have rather Arsenal won because I don't think they're j- 
just I just still don't think they're capable of holding it together long enough. No, I, I don't think so either. But but you never know, and and that's no, why I caveat, caveated it with the the goalkeeper issue. I do think it's a massive issue for them, and I, and I think it is um, verging on uh, incompetence from. Wenger to have not addressed it. Shay Given, well, if I was Arsene Wenger, I'd be beating down the door at um, Eastlands to try and sign Shay Given. Yeah, I mean, it really depends on City and whether they'd be prepared to strengthen a rival. I mean, yeah. they may, they might actually, given given what their their ambitions are this season, which is is, is fourth place or above, uh, they might actually uh, be more prepared to deal with Arsenal than say Tottenham, who they might see as more direct rivals for that that last slot. But yeah, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure they would. I mean. Think they might uh, rather than given elsewhere. Yeah, uh, it's a it's, it's an interesting time. Um, talking of the transfer window being open, um, still still Ferguson's uh, claim that he's not going to buy anyone. He, he still hasn't been proved a liar just yet. No, no, I I, no, I, I actually don't think there'll be a, a large amount of activity. It, it, it seems that they, they'll make a call on on Thomas Cleverly. Um, it, it almost in a way, although I'd like to see him in the United Church because I do think he's a talented player. He he's not going to be playing every week, is he? he He'll be there to make up the squad numbers and just in case and all of that. Whereas he is playing every week for Wigan and now he's overcome that knee injury that he, yeah, it was a bit, a bit unfortunate he, he got in September. He's he's not only playing every week, but he's one of Wigan's better players. Yeah. And uh, it will clearly do him a lot of good to do that. So that would be a shame. And, and it looks like Federico Machado is definitely going on loan uh, out to uh, Sampdoria in uh, Serie A. So, uh, and it's not as if we're short in the forward department. We have six forwards. Uh, so yeah, Machado going. Uh, I don't think. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't think he's worried about that. I mean, I, I've I've said this a couple of times on the uh, on the on the site. I, I almost think that Evans needs some time away because his form has been so abysmal. And and given that with every minute that Chris Smalling plays, he impresses me and I'm sure many United fans you know even more and um, I'm not sure we we need Evans in the squad I mean Wes Brown is apparently fit he's he's not actually played for a long time that that uh, supposed bust up on the coach in the in the summer and uh, might be coming back to haunt him and and O'Shea will be fit at, at some point soon so I mean it might be good to ship Evans out I, I don't know if Ferguson would do they don't have quite the same numbers as we do in the forwards department yeah and the confidence issue is huge isn't it because it would be such a kind of blow to him having been pretty much on the verge of the first team for a long time. Tom Cleverley, I think, is is out for four weeks now, apparently, according to according to Roberto Martinez on Sky Sports website as we speak. Ah. Well that might rule that one out because uh, he would essentially be a short term fix while Park Ji Sung is away and, and Park won't be away for that much longer than that. So I, I would say that probably um Banjax is any any hope of Tom Cleverly coming back, which which I think is is probably good. It is a worry with Cleverly though. It's a serious knee injury uh, at the end of last season with Watford, another knee injury and uh, now I'm, I'm not sure what uh, the injury is now, but another injury I You'd hope he's not an injury-prone player, but that's uh, three um, pretty hefty ones in inside the last sort of you know, nine or ten months. Yeah, which is certainly not what he needs. I guess that's it for another week. The huge FA Cup third round tie. I'm not. I'm not the. I, I don't know. I used to be a real lover of the FA Cup. I was, a, you know, as a kid, it, it's kind of a cliche, but it, it really was more important than the league. The, the the FA Cup. It was so exciting, and and it's it's my earliest football memory is us winning the FA Cup in 1985 uh, but it doesn't have anything like the same sheen anymore but but 
interest is certainly piqued by uh, the choice of opposition. And I, I think we're going to win, and I think we're going to win comfortably. I'm going to say 3-1. Going to predict that Dimitar Berbatov will score. W- will he play a full-strength team? Well, he's promised that he will uh, after last year's embarrassment and Leeds beating us at home and you know, effectively a third division side then. It was unacceptable, really, given given the uh, the nature of the opposition, I think, and, and that he played such a weak side. So, yes, I think it will be... There might be one. There might be some rotation. There's been some rotation post-Christmas anyway. I guess we might not see Van der Sar back again. No real need. I mean, it depends what Van der Sar's doing. I haven't actually heard of him off, off sunning himself on a beach somewhere though yeah, he, that might be what he's he's been off to do yeah we, we'll see I mean I guess uh, it depends on Rooney's fitness as well uh, how sore that ankle is uh, there were there, there was some talk of it being two weeks some of uh, he'll be back for Liverpool uh, we'll see in the past of course Ferguson's talked about Rooney being a bit too eager against Liverpool so he might not actually be that keen to play him anyway it seems like Hernandez deserves another game for yet another goal and uh, he, he might rotate in midfield again um, Gibson and Fletcher played last night uh, Carrick and Anderson might come back into it for the for the Liverpool game and, and then he's got to make a decision on uh, on the wide areas because uh, Giggs has played quite a few games actually recently and, and Nani's back into it so Nani will definitely play but that, that kind of leaves for me one one extra yeah absolutely and Giggs has played he hasn't been completely effective I think it's fair to say I think that's that's fair to say yes yeah Yeah, I mean he he certainly hasn't been Gary Neville who we didn't mention when we talked about the West Brom game embarrassing actually Gary Neville and it's a real shame it's like like George Foreman fighting one fight too many yeah I was going to say Muhammad Ali but yes the the, the definite heavyweight champion who's going on too long I got to be fairly certain that Gary Neville going to retire to a coaching position in the summer he would yeah I'm, I'm sure I mean uh, as mentioned earlier uh, Raphael's now now the number one uh, spot he's he's learning so rapidly I think his progress has been remarkable in the last few months and uh, I think he's going to turn out to be a really top class fullback and and in a different way to Gary Neville uh, Raphael has some uh, rough edges in the defensive department that Gary Neville re- rarely had in his career uh, but uh, Raphael offers loads in an attacking sense that Gary Neville didn't always do. No, he learned. Gary Neville learned that later. And he did. He actually became United's best crosser for a while, didn't he? Post Beckham. Oh yeah. Talking of uh, United's best crosser of the ball, I want you to give me one good reason why we should not sign David Beckham on loan for three months and play him for the last fifteen minutes of every game. Special teams. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it seems like I, I don't know. I kind of thought it was ridiculous at first, but. There's a few, there's a few massive advantages to signing David Beckham. One, like he's just a ridiculously good professional, and would be such a good role model for some of the younger players at the club. You know, and it is sort of you know he's part of the United legacy that goes back to Cantona and, and beyond. The 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 fact that Nani's dead ball delivery is absolutely appalling. I mean, it's he, he's had a he's having a terrific season, and he's got eleven assists, seven goals. Um, I'm absolutely delighted I've got him in my fantasy football team. He's great to watch. He scores cracking goals. He, he makes us a much more effective player going forward. In his 42 starts in the Premier League for Manchester United, we've never lost a game. Uh, he's a vitally important player in this United side. But the man cannot take a corner to save his life. Having Bex around to take corners in the last 15 minutes a game seems... I don't know. I can't 
I really can't see a good reason why not. Except he can't run. But apart from that, no. I mean, he his legs are shot, and he doesn't he hasn't played any level of football for a while. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, there is there's there's only 24 men in the uh, Premier League squad. So, and I think the same with the Champions League. Actually, I think he could uh, he could be registered for both without having to sacrifice anyone. So yeah, I suppose. I mean, there's a, a there's a hefty fee that goes with signing him. Not only the wages, but a five hundred thousand pound loan fee for five weeks. So I, I'm not sure it represents very good value for money. Of, of course, he has promised on more than one occasion to not join another English side. So, so I'll let him off though. I'm, he's served penance at, at not playing in another Premier League club. He's however old he is now. It doesn't count anymore. It's just special teams. It's fine. He's allowed. Yeah. Well, maybe. I mean, I suppose Tottenham's harmless enough. If he exactly. went to City or Liverpool or something, then so long. He's not going to go to City and he's not going to go to Liverpool and the rest of them are fine. It's all right. Even if he went to Arsenal, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Yeah, still, yeah, I can't really... I mean, I know he's, he's worn plenty of shirts over his career, but but not in the, not in England, has he? You know, Well, just the, just the ones with Milan. And, yeah, and, I'm, I'm letting him off. And he made up for, for that by picking up the, uh, the scarf and, uh, and he, he bought some adulation, so... Exactly. Um, I don't know. I just it, that, that's it basically. As long as he doesn't go to, he's got a free pass from an official free pass from the Rantcast. That's that's my view anyway. I think we should give it to him. I, I'm sure. I'm sure he's listening. Uh, um, yeah. Well, you know, we we uh, we give players a, a fair on rollicking, and they start performing. So they must be listening. Except for Darren Gibson. Darren, if you're listening, either. A, kill yourself, or B, oh, get no. good. No, I, I refuse to endorse that. That's No, absolutely not. Don't kill yourself, Darren. It's not worth it. You could have a perfectly functional career in the championship and be very satisfied as a human being. I, I don't know. I think, I think we'd get more money for him selling him off as horse meat. <sighs> this is outrageous talk. I'd heartily distance myself from it. <laughs> Talking of heartily distancing ourselves... I think that's it for another week. We'll be back next week to discuss the result of the Liverpool game. Look forward to next week's Premiership fixture. Seems like a long time between Premiership games. Ten days, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it does, yes. But there you go. They come thick and fast over the Christmas period and, and they certainly do after, after the FA Cup as well. Absolutely. And top of the league 